0: And welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the Imperious Matt. Hello there. So, we are discussing Empress of Mars this week. We are. Um, Not the Empress of Mars. No, I got confused. I kept putting that in all our tweets. Yeah. uh, No, it's an odd one. You feel like it should have some sort of definite article or something. Uh, preceding it, but no. Uh, but anyway, that's that's probably not. We, we should we should focus too much on that one detail. I feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's probably more to discuss about that episode in due course. Uh, how are you doing this week, Matt? Uh,
1: better. I'm out of isolation now.
0: Oh, that's that good. Ended
1: at midnight last night. Although this morning I got up and I basically had stacked all my jobs for the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, things that I've been unable to do all week. So, for example, I got up first thing this morning and went to the Builder's Merchant. Lovely. Um, and then I went to the supermarket, Morrison's mm-hmm. Darlington. And then I went into Darlington. I went to Games Workshop. I went round a few shops. And i tell you what, it's it's so weird now people aren't wearing masks. I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, it, it is I I weird was to me. the only
1: person I remember seeing with a mask on. Really? Yeah, people working in the shops, people visiting the shops, and I was just like it, it's not gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah. We, we we're just ignoring it. That's that's what our government's doing. I mean, no politics on pod.
0: No, of but... course, but but, but, but it is a very strange and pointless experiment that our government are basically carrying out with our country, it feels like. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was so weird, especially after being trapped in my
1: house for a week, the first time leaving, and everything was just different.
0: Yeah. I'll be honest, I'm not, I don't think I've set foot in a shop since um, since the restrictions were lifted. Um it's because I I don't tend to anyway. Like I do I do a lot of my shopping on the internet and stuff. So I don't, you know. Um... Well, that that's the thing.
1: Tomorrow I, I've got a uh, big big day of board gaming. Tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm I'm hosting uh, an an important Warhammer game at my house. <laughs> so I was gonna order a few bits and bobs, but then I was like, oh, that might not come in time. I'll just save it for Saturday. Go to the shops and get bits. Um... Fair enough. So, yeah, big big day tomorrow. For the oh. first time ever, I am allying myself with enemy of the pod, Tim Riley, in a game of Warhammer.
0: Oh well, good luck. Let's yeah. hope it. Let's hope it doesn't uh,
1: yeah.
0: all crumble over the course of of the the um, the battle.
1: Yeah, don't worry. I'm sure you'll hear all about it next week.
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it, Matt. I, I expect yeah. a full blow-by-blow account how's your week been? how are you feeling uh yeah okay ish I'm um, um, I'm hoping to go back into the office next week sort of see how that goes um, but it it's a, it's a tricky one you know because like you when you when you go off work with something like stress that all sounds well and good but it's not like I can then just put my feet up because I've got a two and a half year old yeah so it's basically just i'm just spending my days um just being crawled upon and um demanded to uh you know watch him jump off uh precarious bits of furniture and uh, make lego robots for him so it it's um it's not relaxing (laughs) in the traditional sense of the word so um and you get to a certain point, or at least I have, and I'm and I'm like, I don't know whether my mental health is improving just being stuck at home. I'm probably a change of scenery and something busy to be doing. I mean, I, I have been snatching an hour here or there to tinker with, uh, with a board game design, um, which has been a fun little exercise. But, um, you know.
1: Is that the official Neither the Time Nor the Space board game? Going to be in stores for Christmas? Uh that would... Uh... T- two characters to choose from.
0: <laughs> you, you've, you've planted seeds there, Matt. I don't know whether that's a good idea. <laughs> Because you know I'm going to be thinking about that for the next few weeks now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward
0: to your proposal. It can go on our list of uh, get-rich-quick schemes. <laughs> um, Alright, so I think we, um, we need to crack on with, uh, with with all the usual bits and bobs, don't we? Where do you want to start this week, Matt? Um, Shall we start with
1: television highlight of the week?
0: Yeah, why not? I, you know, I haven't given this one much thought, so I'm just kind of having to scroll through my brain. Me neither, my brain.
1: I was going to say, my television highlight of the week, ain't got one. <laughs> <laughs> for, for all I've been home for a week, I, I've been trying not just to vegetate. So I've been doing, you know, yeah. a bit of reading, a bit of gaming, you know, trying to hobby myself, keep myself busy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I don't know. Um, my wife's been watching this programme. I don't know if you've ever heard of Manifest.
0: I have not heard of
1: Manifest.
0: Oh, Do tell. well,
1: let, let me give you this premise. Okay. Okay, so group of people Yeah. All, all board a plane, mm-hmm. and the plane takes off, and midway through their journey, there's a little bit of turbulence, and right. you know, people are panicked, but it's okay, because the plane lands safely. Five years later...
0: Whoa... <laughs> So I mean okay it's not the it's not the, the 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 most incredible premise ever but you could do something with that mm, I'm not sure this show does though David <laughs>
1: <laughs> So because of what happened yeah like they get visions and they can they get clues about their life you know mm. like visions about where things are and what they need to do to solve problems.
0: It's sounding a little bit like a budget version of Lost.
1: It's, yeah, I'm not very enthusiastic towards it.
0: Mm. Well, that's a shame. Um, Um, Try to think, like, if there's anything better I've watched, but I I really don't know. No. uh, No, and I'm I'm trying to think, what have we been watching this week? I, I haven't gotten any further on with Loki. Uh-huh. Because I was trying, I, I was trying to get my partner into it. I was like, "Oh come on, Tom Hiddleston, he's good value for money, and it's you know it's quirky and and all the rest of it." But she tuned out halfway through the first episode, so that's kind of gone by the wayside. I'm not been. It's probably Octonauts. That's yeah. that's mostly what I've been watching these these past few weeks. Um, yeah, little absorb Zorbluff is he's all about Octonauts these days.
1: Yeah, it was it I'm used m- to be
0: Puffin Rock, but Puffin Rock has uh, been well and truly usurped. Oh, I'm unfamiliar with Puffin Rock. It's 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 very sweet, gentle, um, really nice. Actually, hand drawn animation um, just about some Irish puffins on a little island. Um, very sweet, but, but like I say, he's now with, you know, in keeping with, with the general robot obsession, Octonauts, which is essentially just a chibi version of Stingray. Yeah. With animals. Um, yeah, he can't get enough of that shit.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I did put a message out on Twitter for like our listeners, our followers, if they had any video game recommendations I should try whilst I'm off work. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I just ignored all of them and just played Fire Emblem again for like the <laughs> sixth time.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: I, I I think that's the best game on the Switch.
0: Better than Breath of the Wild?
1: Yeah. Like,
0: that's a controversial opinion right there. I, just for me, it's everything I like in games. Yeah, because it's a it's a tactical one, isn't it? Fire Emblem, you can you can sort of take as long as you like to have a good yeah before you do yeah. anything.
1: And you know, like I do like Breath of the Wild. I'm not mm. diminishing that. I'll probably get Skyward Sword next payday, but yeah. just for me as like a sit down, kill a few hours games. There's nothing better than Fire Emblem for three houses.
0: Yeah, I really need to pick that one up one day. Yeah,
1: I, I've completed it as all three houses. I've completed all the DLC. So now I'm just playing it through where I just select my favourite characters instead of the ones it gives me. I'm just playing like a greatest
0: hits playthrough now. Well, you know what? Actually, I will, I, I, can I revise my opinion then? If we're if we're allowing video games, um, then my selection for this week will be Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Okay. Which I have been playing with Little Absorbaloth. Um, I say with he. He just sits on my lap and watches me and occasionally pokes the screen and, and messes things up. <laughs> um, does, does he say, Daddy, why haven't you completed Myst? <laughs> when, when are we going to complete Mist, Daddy? Well, he's part of the reason I haven't completed it because it freaked him out when I was playing it near him. You've had 30 years.
1: Why won't you finish that game, Daddy?
0: <laughs> you know what? You should put that on the um, list for... Um, what's, what really big think? quiz yeah that's the one
1: David must finish uh, I'll stick it on there we've we've got some half ideas on that. There. so there's me watching all of class mm-hmm. I, I think that one's a bit of a lock in I think that one's we've got to do
0: that Yeah. then
1: there's David shaves his beard which I'm not certain you were that keen on so that one's <laughs> yeah. then there's David drinks two pints of
0: beans definitely yeah, vetoing that one Really? Yeah, no. I said I said at the time, never again, and I stick by it. By all means, you can do two pints of beans, Matt.
1: Okay, so I'll just cross it
0: out. David drinks two pints of spaghetti hoops. <laughs> you know what? They, that sounds easier. They would go down a bit easier than uh, beans. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I can't even remember what we were talking about. <sighs> I think we, do, we were doing TV Highlight. I think we could probably tick that one off. So um, where yep. do you want to go from here? Do you want to talk about what you've been eating? Uh, we can do if you want. Might as well. Um, I promised last
1: week that when I was free from isolation, I would go get a Pizza Hut buffet. I, I think I'm going to save that Monday. I have to go get my jab. My second right. course of uh, the vaccine. So I'm going to do that then, I think. Good plan, yeah. Because no doubt I'll spend the next week laid in bed like a dog. So
0: yeah, you had a really uh, pretty bad reaction to the first one, didn't you? Yeah, like even now, like I, I've never really
1: suffered with hay fever, but mm. it's absolutely crippled me since I had that jab. Really? I don't know if it's triggered something, but
0: yeah, uh, possibly. I mean, the it has been my hay fever's been really bad these past couple of months. It must be said
1: so yeah half eight monday morning round mm. two um but in terms of what i have eaten this week yeah again it, it's been it's been a bit of a slow one because i've just been at home uh my wife basically refused to buy good food because she knew i'd just eat it <laughs> like if, if there was a pack of biscuits in the house it just wouldn't survive Yeah. Um, So we had quite a nice barbecue yesterday. That was okay. We did have a takeaway pizza midweek. In fact, that might be my meal of the week.
0: Mm. What was on that pizza? Uh,
1: Mushroom. Mm -hmm. Pepperoni. Mm -hmm. Green peppers.
0: Mm. Very nice.
1: Um, Yeah, I'll probably give it to that. I can't can't really remember. Like I say, I've, I've had no time. Well... I've had nothing to do this week. I've had all the time in the world. But at the same time, I've just been so unfocused. I haven't even thought, like, hmm. That... In fact, I've got it. I've got my meal of the week. Go on. Now, this was inspired by Tim Riley. Okay. Yep. Now, I'm going to phrase this as a question, David, because I feel this could get heated. Yeah. Okay. What What is the best Muller
0: Corner? Okay. In
1: terms of the yoghurt, what is the
0: best one? Yeah, okay, well, I've got my answer straight away. It's not even a competition for me, so... Go on. Um, uh, the banana yoghurt with the chocolate flakes.
1: Yes, man, yes!
0: It's not even close.
1: No, Tim Riley last night was like, oh, I'm just having a, a Muller corner when I was talking to him, and it's just lived in my head, rent-free since then. Yeah. So, Yeah. What do you think is the worst corner? Because we had this conversation last night as well.
0: Uh, well, I'm not generally a fan of the fruit corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I find... If I'm going to have a fruity yoghurt, I'd sooner have one where it's all mixed in like an onken or something like that. Um, and in particular, I do not like Cherry. I only like cherries when they are fresh cherries. I don't like Glacé cherries. I don't like really? cherry-flavoured sweets or drinks or anything. Um, I, see. I think the worst yeah. the, the worst one I've
1: ever had was... I once had a Honey Corner. Oh, and I think oh. they were, like, limited edition. I think my mum had got them in, like, a multi-pack or something.
0: Right. And,
1: uh, yeah, just tasted yeah. like hot vomit.
0: Yeah, no, I... You see, I'm I'm not big on honey either. It, it, uh, do you know it's what? Used I'm, I'm, very judiciously.
1: I'm going in circles. I keep talking myself round. One thing I did make when I was isolating. Yeah. Made some more snickerdoodles.
0: Oh, congratulations!
1: Yeah. And after my recent campaign of tackling bullies online, yes. uh, Sam from Married to Who made some snickerdoodles as well.
0: <laughs> Excellent. You know,
1: so it, it's the thing that crosses the bridge, builds the bridge, reunites old foes, and you know
0: they were they weren't Nutella flavor then. Ah, oh, tell you what, <laughs> shut up, man. Uh, <sighs> my
1: wife. Uh, in fact, I put this on our Twitter. My wife bought some off-brand store's own brand Nutella. Yes. Uh, called Nutoka. <laughs> Uh, Because we made a homemade Colin the Caterpillar cake. Mm -hmm. Oh, very Uh, nice. My wife is going to a baby shower in a week or two. Uh, So she made... I'll ping you a little picture. She's planning on making two Colin the Caterpillar cakes and then a smaller one for the baby. Not sure why she's not just buying them from the shop, if I'm honest.
0: (laughs) Something to do, isn't it?
1: So we have had Nutella in the house this week. Oh, wow, look at that.
0: I mean, the hat's off to her. That's that's a yeah. strong effort there. Uh, oh, crikey. W- what about you? I- I've done about
1: three different meals of the week.
0: What- uh, it-, what's
1: it feels there? that way, doesn't it?
0: Um, oh, right, I think there's no need to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm having a think. I'm having a think. Um... You know, in keeping with something of a tradition, I, I on occasion will shout out a an interesting meat substitute because I think we're we're living through something of a of a renaissance period for meat substitutes at the moment. There's all of these new companies popping up trying different things, which is quite exciting for someone like me who's who's been vegetarian for a long time and had had to grapple with very limited choice at times for a long time. Um, my partner picked up out of the blue a pack of uh, vegetarian pastrami okay so this was from a company that i'd never heard of before called squeaky bean um and full disclosure i've never had pastrami so i've got no frame of reference really for it but it was bloody lovely it was really really nice and you know I like a sandwich, but ninety-nine percent of the time it's a, it's some variant of a cheese sandwich because that's the easiest thing as a vegetarian to have. You know, I'll occasionally, you know, make an egg mayonnaise sandwich or something, but that's a lot of effort making egg mayonnaise just for a sandwich. Um, but yeah, so uh, one day we uh, this week we we had ourselves a little impromptu picnic. We went over to. Um, uh, Silton Forest uh-huh. which is a really lovely little uh, uh, little place not too far from where we are and uh, yeah just sat in, in, the, in the glorious sunshine you know had had a little walk around among, amongst the trees and uh, yeah and I and I, and I had my first ever vegetarian pastrami sandwich and it was way better than I expected it to be oh good so uh, yeah pretty much a shoe in for me the end of the week there I think um we, we haven't
1: asked. Uh, yes. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Scrambled eggs. Oh. Yeah.
0: Made by my own fair hand. Any um,
1: salmon or anything with it?
0: No, nah, just, a, just a sprinkling of pepper on top. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, and toast, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, scrambled eggs is one of those things where I I love it, but nine times out of ten, I cannot be asked to make it. Yeah... Yeah, I get
1: that. It's like uh, when my wife makes pancakes;
0: Mm.
1: love them, but I I could never be bothered to do it myself.
0: (laughs) Even though, to be fair, neither neither scrambled eggs or uh, or or, or pancakes are actually particularly hard to make. No, no, minimal (laughs) effort, but too much for me. It's just that it's that first grade above just taking something out of a packet and shoving it directly into your mouth. Yeah. Um. Yep. But anyway, yeah. So, what about you? What was your breakfast situation?
1: Uh, so, I had a cup of coffee with my wife before she went to work, and then because I was able to be out and about when I was in town, I mm. went to Costa Coffee. Yes. Which. I mean, it's a bit of an unwritten rule. Costa coffee's not that good, is it, really? I prefer I prefer Cafe Nero, it must be said. Yeah, but that's because they put double shots of espresso in their coffee, so it's stronger. Mm. I didn't um, know that was
0: the reason why, but that, that would explain a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, each of their drinks basically has twice as much actual coffee as Costa. Mm-hmm. But I had a latte and a salted uh, caramel brownie, and it was just nice to actually go to a coffee shop but again, only person wearing a mask.
0: Yeah, uh, it's weird, isn't it? it, 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 it it's because I I was reading a lot of people online, and maybe this is just says more about the the bubbles, the circles in which I frequent online. But the overwhelming consensus seemed to be, "Oh well, I don't care what the government says. I'm I'm still going to be wearing a mask." Where, yeah. where have all those people gone?
1: Yep. Exactly. Like, I'm not just going to stop wearing a mask just because Boris Johnson
0: tells me to. No, no. Quite the opposite. (laughs) Just, yeah, let the science lead, maybe. Um, Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's, It's not... As impositions go, it is so incredibly minor for the majority of people. Yeah, and it's just become habit over the last year.
1: Yeah. Right. It's hardly like I'm inconveniencing myself hugely when yeah. it's something I've already been doing.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously, I will, I will, I will accept there are going to be some exceptions. People with, you know, chronic respiratory conditions, uh, people with with um, you know physical sensitivities, things like that. There are reasons why, conceivably, you'd have a legitimate excuse. To take the option to not wear a mask if that option is open to you. But for the overwhelming majority of people, as far as I'm concerned, there really is no excuse at the moment. Yeah. Um, like, I, I couldn't believe it when I went into Games
1: Workshop, tiny little yeah. shop, yeah, usually full of, you know, sweaty, smelly mouth breathers. Mm-hmm. And the guy was just so laid back. He was just like, yeah, no mask for me. I was just like, what yeah. are you doing, man? Taking mad. your
0: life in your own hands. Mad, 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 mad. But anyway, um, all right then. I think, does that leave us with uh, just would I lie to who? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the only God. one left to go. Right, now, you'll have to forgive me, but I can't remember whose turn it is. Oh, it's me this week. Oh, excellent. All right, then. Um, yeah. That's a relief, to be honest, because I have not prepared anything. <laughs> Oh, yours last week was. Uh,
1: how did you cope with the heat?
0: Ah, oh, that was last week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll,
1: tell you, I'll tell you this, David. It's quite cold today, but it's mm. still too hot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as it was last time we were recording, but pretty much wall to wall this week, it has been just really unpleasantly hot.
1: Too hot.
0: Too hot. Too hot.
1: Right. Shall we move to Would I Lie to Him?
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: Right. So. David, this week might come as a surprise to you. It's not Doctor Who related.
0: Uh, what are you doing, man?
1: Sorry. Okay. Okie doke. But in, in amongst all the video gaming I've been doing this week, I've been playing a game called Super Animal Royale. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which is, I want you to imagine it's a little bit like Fortnite. Okay. One of those battle royale games. Okay, where everyone plays as like cartoon animals. It's simple. Okay. It's it's two D rather than three D. It, it's okay. you know it's got its own little style, and I, I really like it. Okay, now you get to choose the animal you play as, and you get to choose their outfit, David. Uh huh. So I'm going to give you three options. ...as to what my character in that game is. Okay. I want right. you to choose. Yeah, I'm here for this. Okay. Option number one. Elton Johnkey. A donkey that dresses like Elton John. Okay. Yeah. Option it's... number two. Piggy Stardust. It's a pig that dresses <laughs> like David Bowie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. And option three. Village P. Pelican. A pelican... That dresses like the policeman from the village people.
0: <laughs> okay, um, I am dismissing option three because it's too tortured. It's too tortured, even village p pelican. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that one's out. So I'm going to drill down into the other two. So, uh, the, with um uh, with Piggy Stardust, the obvious yep. question is. You say dresses like David Bowie. What era David Bowie be taking here? Uh,
1: Ziggy Stardust. So I've given him like a white jumpsuit, uh huh, a lightning flash motif mm-hmm. over his face and snout, mm-hmm. and a red mohawk haircut, because there isn't really like a mullet thing, mm. but the mohawk looked best.
0: Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm sorry to be a pedant, technically that's uh, that's Aladdin Sane era David Bowie. That's That's his persona. Okay. Um, Ziggy Stardust, um, was, had a di- different, uh, makeup and it was the, the, like the really weird wide stripy trousers. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but okay. All right. All right. Point taken. So, um, Elton Don, Elton Donkey. That was always yeah. Elton Jonkey and Elton Jonkey Elton Jonkey. Um, so, presumably, we're just talking massive sunglasses.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, a bit like the I'm Still Standing video. So he's got, like, a straw hat. I don't know what you call that type of hat. Right. Like a sun hat.
0: Yeah, like a uh, boater.
1: Yeah, and then he's got stripy
0: blazer, white trousers. Right, okay. Big glasses. Big glasses. I'm... Yeah, I'm going to say hey Elton junkie. i A. Elton Johnkey?
1: Yeah. David, this week, you are correct. It's Elton (laughs) Johnkey. Yeah. Funnily enough, Village P Pelican was one of my old characters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You should be ashamed of yourself, Matt.
1: Sorry. And then I just made up Piggy Stardust as a third one.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, good effort. Solid pun.
1: Right, so that takes you into the lead now. 11 to 10. Exciting.
0: All right, then. Um, I think it's probably about time for us to talk about Empress of Mars. Yeah. A little bit, perhaps. Um, Do you want some listener tweets? Yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to know, because obviously Mark Gatiss is a writer who... Hmm,
1: That's questionable.
0: (laughs) Who divides opinions somewhat. Hmm. um, And can tend to provoke a strong reaction from from the fandom. So I'm very curious to know what the general consensus is on this one, if there is indeed any kind of consensus at all. Right, well,
1: I will start with James Swift. Oh, excellent. Did he get in there first? He didn't, actually. Oh. But he did send us a message saying, oh, it's the dream to be a topic on the schedule for someone else's podcast. (laughs) Right, well, don't blow your own trumpet too much, because you're not on the running order, okay? Mm. Okay. And he says, he does worry he wasn't quite as swift as last week, but true that, because he weren't, I'm afraid.
0: I'll I'll take it, though. Better late than never, eh, James? Yep.
1: Right, now I've just got to troll through and find his actual text. Also, whilst I'm just doing that, did you know it's one year ago since we reviewed the Ice Warriors? So that's quite funny, isn't it?
0: Oh, the uh, Cold War? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. that's good timing, isn't it? Mm. So James Swift
1: says, honestly, I think this is one of Gattis' best episodes. I'm not a big fan of him, but this is an inoffensive episode that is a worthy successor to
0: Cold War. I'm gonna be honest. I might as well just uh, not not beat about the bush. I, I generally really quite enjoy this episode, so I'm 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 really kind of I'm I'm very worried that, that people aren't gonna love it as much as me. But uh, we're off to a good start as far as I'm concerned. Cool tweet, bro. What's next?
1: Next message comes from Clover. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello. Uh, Clover says, "Weirdly, it's okay. The Ice Warriors are great. This is not a good episode. Just okay. How many times, David? How many times have I got to tell people about putting our ratings in their <laughs> tweets? <laughs> I might I mean, edit that. Te- I te- might edit that tweet
0: out. Technically, just okay is not one of our. What, it says this our is not system.
1: a good episode.
0: Mm. But they didn't say good. They didn't say bad episode. Good bits, did they?
1: Right. He's getting a written warning." <laughs> right, last chance. Ah, oh, bringing out the shouldn't, I to shouldn't have there. to address this every week. Why won't people listen?
0: <laughs> cool tweet, bro. What's next,
1: David? If you want to go, put the kettle on. I'll go run yourself a bath. It's time for BT Flibbity Giggert's longest tweets ever. <laughs> um,
0: so, I, do you want, you do you want to say Can hello? I say, my 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 heart goes goes out to them purely because. I am also someone who really struggles when it comes to brevity. <laughs> like Twitter is not a, is not my friend as, as a format. Um, the amount of times I have to furiously edit and re-edit to, to get something down to a single tweet is, um, uh, some, it, you know, it, it, it's time consuming. Um, but anyway, don't worry. Don't worry about me, Max, I'm, I'm just whilst you're reading, I'm just kind of thumbing through a Key Forge deck that I happen to find on my desk here. So. It's Just looking at uh, Sensor Chief Garcia here. She's pretty good. Play Fight Reap ability. Keys cost plus two amber during your opponent's next turn.
1: Is there anything worse than people talking about deck building games? It's not a deck building game, Matt. Uh, Is there anything better than someone (laughs) lecturing you about the fine nuances of whatever game they're playing? (laughs) Yeah, you'd never do that, would you, Matt? No.
0: Should we just have a no-games rule from now on? Uh, I think perhaps we should. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, yes, let's crack on with uh, with BT's tweet for this week. Okay, I'll warn you, it's 14 tweets long. <laughs> I, sent, I sent him a message just going, oh, just the 14 this week, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Let's let's hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm keen to know.
1: Okay. So, they say, I am never going to be able to look at this episode objectively... So I'm not going to even try. I adore this episode beyond all reason. Get ready for obnoxious gushing. First off, the Ice Warriors. I love the Ice Warriors. They're my favourite classic Who aliens and that really comes down to how the three stories that feature them really develop and show the progress of their culture. They go from genetic proud warrior race in the Ice Warriors to surprisingly reasonable aliens in the Curse of Paladon to the species struggling between tradition and maternity in modernity, sorry, in the monster of Peladon. They have one of the most cohesive complex story arcs in Classic Who, and I love them so much. Most of my problem with Cold War was that it didn't seem interested in engaging with what I liked about the Ice Warriors. A problem that this episode certainly doesn't have. Sorry. Uh so
0: Yeah, a problem that this episode doesn't have. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Empress of Mars slots cleanly between the Ice Warriors and Curse of Peladon. The ending, where Alpha Centauri arrives and invites the Ice Warriors into the Federation, provides a straight line to understanding how the Ice Warriors became an important member of the Federation in Curse of Peladon, which also involves a culture with advanced technology, but antiquated social structure being brought into the Federation. Speaking of the antiquated social structure, I also adore the Victorian vibes throughout this episode. I went through a big Victorian lit phase in high school, and this episode really embraces both the aesthetics and the concerns of that period of literature. Having the British Empire encounter another, more technologically advanced empire, at this stage of their empire building, is an amazing premise, and I feel that Gattis really delivered on it for once. The combination of the Victorian adventure genre, with the slightly later H.G. Wells tradition of reverse empire anxiety, is just perfect and it's clear that Gattis is well-versed in the genres he's taking inspiration from, whilst being willing to break the pastiche when appropriate. The Robinson Crusoe reference is just the icing on the cake. The Doctor's role in this story is just fantastic, like in Zygon Invasion slash Inversion, or to go back further, like in the classic Who story, Doctor Who and the Silurians, he once again has to attempt to be the diplomat between humanity and an alien species. Are you still there, David? Still with us? I am, yep. Okay, this is a Doctor Who plot I adore whenever it comes up and this episode puts a unique spin on the premise. It goes out of its way to make the Doctor's job as difficult as possible with his very modern desire for peaceful cooperation being thwarted at every turn by the imperialist attitude of the era. An attitude that's in every way antithetical to what the Doctor stands for that idea of cooperation is carried on in the ending where we start to get a real real idea of where the Missy plotline is going to go in the future. The Doctor doesn't want to completely beat down Missy's individuality and personality. He wants to reach a point where both of them can cooperate and be friends again. Time will tell if that's even possible. Is it a perfect episode? Well no. The TARDIS just ditching with Nardole in it is blatantly just because they needed the Doctor and Bill to be stuck on Mars ...between the two empires. The episode has some tonal weirdness... ...as it tries to be both a Victorian adventure... ...and a Victorian invasion anxiety sci-fi novel. But despite those issues, I adore it. It's exactly what I wanted out of an Ice Warrior story... ...illuminating a major gap in their species history... ...using appropriate British literature framework. I love Empress of Mars so much... ...and no one can tell me otherwise. Plus the idea of the Doctor just vibing at NASA is very fun. I love the idea that he has so much investment in human space exploration. Great little tidbit to add to
0: the character. And breathe. Really well-articulated thoughts there. Um, yeah, I'm going to use that monologue for my like GCSE drama. <laughs> uh, no, Honestly, excellent. That was really well-written and well-thought-out. Um, and... I probably largely agree with most of it. I don't. I'm not quite so effusive. I've got a few provisos um, when it comes to this one, but but overall, I I, I do think um, Gaitas was onto a winner with this particular story. So uh, yeah. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Next is Amy.
1: So Amy says, well, first of all, she says, why haven't you said hello to me, David? Hello. Okay.
0: so Any... I got distracted because I got a text from my
1: brother. Uh, what's he got to say for himself? Anything nice? No, not really. Is he, is he asking about your Keyforge deck?
0: <laughs> He's not, though um, he probably should be. I, I absolutely pasted him last time we played Keyforge. Uh, just wait till I get involved. I've got so much disposable income, David, because I don't have children. I'm just going to get into the meta I mean, the, 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 you, you're setting me off here, Matt. The, the, the beauty about KeyForge is that there isn't a meta in the same because it's not a deck-building game. You have to play the deck you get. David, um, there's, a, there's always a meta. There's always a way. <laughs> there's, a I mean, there's some, Tim Riley's more anything. It's that there's always a meta. There's, it's just it's not it's not. It's not, there isn't a meta in the way there is with something like Magic the Gathering, where it's all just about, you know, you get these certain cards, you get these certain combos, and uh, that's your immediate pathway to victory, because you can't do that with Keyforge, you know, there is no perfect deck, um, or if there is, the chances are you're not going to have it, so you'll have to make do with what you do have, Um why i find it such an interesting and exciting game um uh, and yeah you know what matt you should get on on the keyforge train i've been telling you for ages i'd love to have a game of keyforge with you one day
1: okay so if any listeners out there are interested in playing keyforge um you know maybe you've got your own decks just um just put them in the bin (laughs) (laughs) or you know you could get in touch with david i don't know Probably play something over Skype or something.
0: There is an online client. I've never used it though. I'm, I'm crap at that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, so we we've got another. We're on to Amy's
1: tweet, aren't we? Yeah. So yes. Amy says, "I liked it. I think it's a good Ice Warrior story. I do think there needed to be a better reason for the Tardis to suddenly leave. However, outside of that." It was a good episode. There's another rating, David. Don't like mm. it. The joy the Doctor expressed during the countdown at NASA and also their spacesuits were gorgeous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some really nice production design. And, and,
1: uh, I, I love the Doctor's
0: spacesuit. He looked like uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> cool tweet, bro. What's next?
1: Next message comes from the original, the OG, numero uno, James Courtney. Say hello, David. Hello, James. Okay, now James <laughs> kind of aims this message at you at the beginning, David. Right, okay. he Hello, David. Sorry to hear that you've been struggling recently. Wishing you all the best.
0: Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you very much, James. Well, if you love him so
1: much, why don't marry you marry <laughs> him? He says... The Empress of Mars, then. If the Crimson Horror was Mark Gatissed at his most camp, victoriana this is it at his most pulp. This is probably the closest New Who gets to being like Classic Who. It's quite enjoyable, even if it doesn't do many interesting or complex things. Mm-hmm. The only bit that doesn't work is the TARDIS just leaving for no reason, even if it does set up more Missy.
0: Yes, yeah. It, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that moment when we get into our review, I feel like. Yeah. There's, there's stuff to say there. Cool tweet, bro. What's
1: next? Okay, next message comes from Frank. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello. Okay, and Frank says... Well, my friends, the time has come to raise the roof and have some fun. Throw away the work to be done and let the music play on. Everybody sing, everybody dance, lose yourself in wild romance. We're going to party, Karamu, Fiesta Forever. Come on and sing along. We're going to party, Karamu, fiesta forever. Come on and sing along, all night long. You
0: just sent us Lionel Richie lyrics, David. (laughs) And I love that you recited them. What is that about? (laughs) Uh, Well, what's what's tickled me most is the fact that when you read it, that... You had the exact cadence of of a Methodist minister introducing the next hymn in a church service. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no,
1: he seems to be on a bit of a Lionel Richie high this week.
0: Ah, well, fair play to him. Cool tweet, bro. What's next?
1: Next message comes from Jake from Married to Who. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, Jake. Okay. He says, people like it. I'm not one of those people.
0: Nice concise to the point there. Um, yeah, fair enough. Like I say, Gatus divides opinion. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? We then got a message from Sam from the
1: Murray 2 podcast. Say hello, David. Hello, Sam. Uh, she says, it's a memorable episode, even if it's not the best. Mm. I really like the look of the beehive nest.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got thoughts about that one as well, which we'll get to in due course.
1: Okay, we've got two more to go, David. Okey-doke. Okay, so the next one comes from Marie. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello. Okay, she says, I'd like to use one of my favourite mat lines that we actually haven't heard in a while, which is... <clears throat> I'll, d- I'll try and do this in my best. I found it quite boring. <laughs> I feel like they had the chance to really show us how awesome the Ice Warriors are but they spent more time focusing on the story that really wasn't that exciting. Some British people tried to colonise another spot and even steal some jewels from a burial spot like we haven't heard that plot a million times. I did enjoy the one soldier having a rich redemption story and the idea that the hanging didn't take is truly upsetting. All in all, not one I would revisit and as someone who enjoyed a lot of episodes people didn't care for, that is saying something. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's good. It's good that we're getting a, a, a range of opinions, I think, with this one. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Are you ready for the,
1: the final one? I certainly am. I've saved the best till last. Mm-hmm. I think we know where we're going with this, don't we, I David? think we do. Marty, Marty, Marty Marty, 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 Marty M-A-R-T-Y M-A-R-T-Y Marty, 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 Marty Marty Hello Marty Hello Marty McLean, welcome back He's been missing a few weeks, I hope he's okay He's been sorely missed, I'll say that. Mm. Right, he says, Matt will be pleased to know that this is Gattis's final contribution, and he really saved the best till last. I agree with pretty much everything Flippity Giggard has already said. I love that Empress of Mars manages to be filled with caricatures. Yet Gattis puts down the broad stroke brush in favour of heart and nuance, Something I found lacking in his earlier scripts, despite loving the subject matter. The fact I haven't watched Peladon, but was overcome with a sense of joy when hearing Alpha Centauri speaks to the deep history and lore only Doctor Who can have. And my dad kept gushing about it for weeks after. Overall, my second favourite story of this season. Slow down guys, I want to stay on the Capaldi ride forever. Mm.
0: Yeah. Oh man, those those last words say <laughs> That um that really gets to me as well. I, I keep looking at our schedule, Matt, and just thinking like, oh I can't believe I feel like Capaldi's slipping through our fingers right now. Yeah. It's only a few more weeks. Oh man. But let's enjoy what we've got, eh? So, um you've heard what our listeners think, Matt. You've heard what I think to some extent, though I've not quite Mm -hmm. named my colours to the last. Um, But where did you land on Empress of Mars?
1: Worst episode
0: of the series so far. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Really? I'm
1: going bad episodes, some good bits.
0: Really? Genuinely worse than any of the Monks trilogy?
1: Uh, At least they had a story.
0: This has a story. Does it? It is has it a just... story that you could fit into a single paragraph, but it does have a story. This reminded me of the ones where it was pirates in space. Curse of the Black Spot. Ah, oh, no, this is so much better than that.
1: Is it? Yes. The one thing everyone says about how great it is, is like, oh, it's a lot like some
0: old Doctor Who stories. Well, I haven't seen them, so I don't care. <laughs> Okay, so what I will say up top about this episode is Gatiss is playing to his strengths here. You know, last series we had Sleep No More and that was him experimenting, trying something bold, trying something different and I think ultimately fundamentally failing. Mm -hmm. This is Gatiss right in his wheelhouse. You know, Victoriana classic doctor who villain um light on story big on tone and broad characters um and, and i think it's just it's it's a winning combination when when Gatiss plays you see when gateh plays it safe it's not his safe is not the same as other writers right for a lot of people tackling an episode like this they're kind of going out on a limb but gators is in his comfort zone here i think that really shows that that's actually when he's when he's at his best even if it's also therefore at his most self-indulgent i guess what what i would say is like i wouldn't want this every week um but it's like it's like bread and butter pudding you know every now and again again it's a lovely stodgy treat to get a Mark Gator story where he's just doing what he does best. No, I'd say this is like Motorway
1: Services Burger King.
0: Oh, you genius. know, at two
1: in the morning where you're like, well, there's nothing else, I suppose. I'll, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll eat it.
0: Yeah, this is the only Doctor Who we're getting this week. <laughs> this week, <laughs> yeah, <so>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right, before okay. we get
1: into the episode, then yes. You, I want to resurrect an old feature that we haven't seen for a while. Okay. Um, It's one, I think we've maybe done it once or twice. Okay. It's the one called, David talks to the listeners for a minute or two whilst Matt goes to get a drink. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, you have the floor. Alright. Don't forget I'm doing the edit, so I can cut all this out. Don't swear, don't be offensive, don't... Do one of your left-wing rants, okay? (laughs) Just say something nice.
0: I'll try. I'll try. Right,
1: I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to go get a shandy. All right, good luck.
0: Okay, listeners. um, Matt's probably going to want to cut this out, to be honest, because uh, I'm... I'll be honest, I'm drawing a blank. I just want to talk about Empress of Mars, but I've got to save it when Matt's back in the room. So uh, I'm just going back to the Keyforge deck. So this uh, this deck is called Torrid of Nullsea. One of the nice things about Keyforge is every deck is unique. If this damage destroys that creature, gain one amber. So, for you know, that's a, a basic card, but it's doing a lot for you there. Um, right, I'm coming back. Alright, okay. I'll, day, I'll wrap it, I'll... Stop
1: anyway, talking about whatever it is you're ranting
0: about. I'm, I'm really looking forward to just uh, slamming my brother with that one in a couple of weeks, so that'll be fun.
1: Right. What did you talk about? Anything yeah. nice?
0: You'll have to find out, won't you? Alright. Oh, Been like that, haven't <laughs> we? Mr. Secretive. Yes, indeed. Little treat for you when you're editing. I did have a little
1: treat then when I went downstairs. I'm cooking a pulled pork and my house just smells amazing. Mm.
0: Always good. Um, so then, Matt, shall yep. we just get stuck into uh, Empress of Mars then? Yeah, why not? Okay. So, Empress of Mars, episode 9 of
1: season 10, from the 10th of July 2017. We're getting close, aren't we? We are. Yeah. We are. Yeah. This is written by Matt Gatiss and directed by Wayne Yip.
0: Yeah. Um so this is the second in a row from Wayne Yip, isn't it? Mm. I think. What do you think about him as a director? Um I don't think he's the weak point of this story. No. Definitely Let's not. Put it like that. E- even if you that. if you don't enjoy this, you know, ultimately, I think it's just Mark Gatiss is probably the most marmite of any of the writers for New Who mm-hmm. up until this point. You know, either you just you, you tune in and you know what he's doing, what he's going for, or it's just of no interest to you. And I think we're just opposite sides of that coin, aren't we, Matt? Really? Yeah. Um, All righty then. So, how 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 does he kick us off? So we begin
1: at NASA.
0: Mm.
1: And they're receiving a transmission and the Doctor, Bill and Nardole are all there. Yeah. And there is the Valkyrie, which is yes. probing Mars's ice caps and beaming back images to the Earth. And when the image on the screen stops being distorted and mm-hmm. clarifies and we can see it in full resolution, there's some rocks in formation that spell out God save the queen.
0: Yeah, can I be honest here? I hate this cold open.
1: Yeah, I thought
0: you would. Down with the monarchy.
1: It's, it's got More left
0: wing to... rants. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that. It's just I thought I find it quite smug the way the three of them just turn up in in the nerve center of a NASA operation and just like, oh yeah, what are you doing? Like. I I like the Doctor, I like Bill, I like Nardole. They're a great TARDIS team, but it it's taking the piss, I think, to just turn up at a crucial moment like this and just be sort of breathing down someone's neck. Um, and I think the NASA team are quite rightly a bit annoyed by them. By them. Um, See, just, I'll, let,
1: I'll let you get your point across there, but yeah. don't swear on
0: pod, come on. I can't even remember, I don't even know what, what
1: word I used there. You said they're taking the P. And that shows your flippant attitude towards coarse language. It does. You don't it even
0: remember. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so I'm not thrilled with that cold open, but I think it gets substantially better from there. So, the TARDIS
1: heads to Mars mm-hmm. in 1881. That's when the message was sent. Yep. And it detects life below the surface. Yes. Okay. Now, Bill finds a campfire when they venture down into some caves. So there must be oxygen because there's yep. combustion. Okay. So they all take their helmets off and, you know, try and gather what's happening. Mm-hmm. And as they do, Bill falls down a big hole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not a good start for Bill.
1: No. But it's like a big slide, isn't it? So she's okay. Yeah. yeah. So Nardole goes to get some rope to, you know, pull her back up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the TARDIS takes off with him.
0: Yeah. Okay, so this is the second big criticism I have of this episode, which is uh, I don't know whether it's a case in earlier draft Nardole wasn't even in it. Uh, and then Moffat was like, okay, right, so Nardole's going to be around, so you're going to have to find an excuse to get rid of him and also maybe tee up for Missy being around the next week. And this was a late-in-the-day redraft, w- would be my only guess.
1: See, I, There had I,
0: I, to be something. It, 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 all it needed was a couple of lines, some technobabble explanation as to why the TARDIS suddenly decided to you know, Scarpa at that particular moment.
1: I mean, it, it, it's a quote from an episode that I really don't like.
0: Yeah. But I, I always
1: consider the line that the Doctor is, sorry, the TARDIS takes you where you need to go rather than where you want to go.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: So, it could be that in the grand scheme of things, the TARDIS recognised they needed Missy. Yes, You know, maybe not just here, but you know, in a yeah,
0: broader sense. Absolutely. You'll kind of have to wait and see where that goes, um, this series. But to, to kind of know whether that, that, that holds as a piece of headcanon or not. Mm. Um, but certainly there is there is absolutely no explanation forthcoming in this episode. Mm. So I mean, we, just, uh, we just have to go with how,
1: it. How many episodes do we have left this series?
0: I believe there are, let me think... Three plus the Christmas special.
1: Okay. Cause I, I, I don't know where the big overarching story is going, other than
0: probably Missy turns bad again. <laughs> you know, well, that's that's the thing. All... So ba- basically, what we've had is early on, you think, oh, what's in the vault, and you're like, okay, well that's going to be revealed in the finale, and then around about episode four, just like, oh hey, it's Missy in the vault. Yeah. Everybody's first guess. <laughs> And then it's like, okay, so what are we doing? And it's um, it seems the arc is just, oh, well, Missy's around now. Yeah. And I... she's 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 bored and trying not to be evil, but... I don't you know. know.
1: I, I'm going to go back to my first ever impression of Missy. I, I think the revelation is that she is the Christian god.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't it be lovely if that that's how, around again? That's how it'll
1: end. She'll turn good. <laughs> And the Doctor will be like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And then the, it'll just end and she'll go, oh, by the way, I'm the Christian God. Wrong credits.
0: <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But
1: um, yeah, but in terms yeah. of this episode, it's just a plot convenience. Isn't it?
0: it really is. It's just, it, there is, Like I said, there's no explanation given whatsoever. So you just have to roll with it and move on. So speaking of which, what happens next, Matt? Okay, so the Doctor
1: then hears a noise Mm -hmm. and an Ice Warrior approaches. Yeah. Okay, and at the same time a strange... Well, it's quite good because the way they present it is that this big menacing creature is approaching the Doctor and they reveal it quite soon that you can see it's an Ice Warrior and they kind of mimic the same with Bill, but it's just a man. So you get the feeling that she's in peril, but it's just a man. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then as the Doctor attempts to make peace with the Ice Warrior, a man appears and says, you know, step away from that foul creature. And of course, he's talking about the
0: Doctor rather Mm -hmm. than the Ice Warrior. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think that was a bad bit. Okay. No, it is good. And uh, so how did you feel now that you've... At this point, we've got our big, you know... We we've got we've got our setup for this particular story where it's like um, we've got Victorian colonial army mm-hmm. and we've got ice warriors. How are you feeling about that as a setup? Now I've
1: made a point in previous episodes of saying I could not care less about the Victorian period. Yeah, and I think I, I probably didn't say it at the time because it's the first time I saw them. Don't really care about the Ice Warriors. Like right, I, I no. haven't seen their rich history. To me, they were just alien of the week. Yeah. You know, one episode, and now they're back. So I don't know. I don't really care.
0: I do think this episode is, uh, of the two, probably does Ice Warriors more justice than Cold War did. But that's the, the shame of, of that is that this one's coming. Second, so if you weren't thrilled by Cold War, this isn't gonna necessarily like you're already potentially not inclined towards being interested in what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably a factor. Um, one thing I did want to address at this point is the the how this episode tackles ideas of colonialism
1: mm-hmm.
0: because th- that, I think that's something that our country has been reckoning with in a, in, a, in a really powerful and important way in the last few years more than it ever had. Certainly, you know, when you and I were kids growing up, like, I, I don't know about you, Matt, I, I never in history class actually studied in depth the Victorian Empire and no. Britain's shameful colonial past. It is something that we have not really dealt with as a nation sufficiently. And I think in lieu of that, there was basically you had in this sort of post-war period, you, you know, the 50s and, uh, uh, in particular, you had the rise of pulp boy's own adventure stories which were generally set in the period of the Victorian Empire and played into certain tropes and ideas ar- ar- around that and, and kind of played up the heroism and downplayed the, 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 the more unseemly elements of, of colonialism. Um, and from that... You then get into the realms of things like Monty Python. And in particular, I'm thinking of of, uh, a a, a sort of Python spin-off, Ripping Yarns. Are you familiar with it? Um, No. um, Terry Jones and Michael Palin, they did this series in sort of the the immediate wake of of Monty Python wrapping up, where they were basically taking boys' own annual type stories and doing a Python-esque spin on them. Mm-hmm. And some of those were set in in, in the Victorian Empire. Uh, and again, and with those, it's kind of having its cake and eating it. Where you're kind of, you're nodding and winging, you're you're adding a layer of cynicism and like, isn't this all a bit ridiculous and awful? But by the same token, you're still, there's an element of romanticising going on there still. Mm-hmm. Because it was part of their childhood. And we all have... A tendency to romanticize what we find nostalgic, and that I, I like—I have no doubt in my mind that that *Ripping Yarns* is a series that Mark Gatiss would have would have grown up loving, because it plays again into not only that that sort of first wave of pulp Victoriana, um, but on top of that, it adds the sort of uh, absurdist and cynical humor from you know which which obviously is is a part of what he brought to the league of gentlemen and to an extent what he does with doctor who as well so again i feel like this this episode does an okay job at not presenting it as black and white and certainly not presenting these army officers as pure purely heroic but it is a bit removed from the reality mm. of have, it, yeah
1: have have you seen the james acaster special where he talks about british colonialism
0: i think i have yeah
1: yeah where he just yeah. says what one day britain got on a boat and <laughs> burgled everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it's, yeah doesn't sound possible, but we burgled everyone. <laughs> and then he goes on to say that the Elgin Marbles are the best example of finders keepers, losers weepers.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bizarre thing when you look at it with hindsight, with with kind of clear, modern eyes. You look at what went on in that in that period, and it's just like it's it kind of boggles the mind. And so, like I say, I think I think. There is no, there is certainly there is no malice in this story. There is no intent to offend anyone. But I do think, in order for it to tell the story it wants to tell, it's not focusing on the worst aspects of British colonialism.
1: For for all it's trying to do or not do certain things. Yeah. It's just a story told in a way that I've seen stories told, what are we up to now, about 140 times? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So... so I, I could have guessed the ending of this episode about 20 minutes in.
0: Sure. I think, uh, at the end of the day, I think what what's interesting about Mark Gatiss as a writer is not his plots. I think he would probably hold his hand up and say... Plot is not my main concern. He is about tone and pastiche and vibe. You know? Uh-huh. And, and, and this is pure vibe. And either you are on that wavelength, you like that kind of vibe, or you don't. And if you don't, it is gonna great Um, and I think so. That's probably why it's left you cold. Um, but yeah, I, I, I but I, I, kind of, I don't, I wanted to, I wanted to address that though. I wanted to address the fact that that as I do like this episode, but I think you have to kind of caveat with it a little bit. With this is there is an element of the rose tinted spe- spectacles going on here, mm-hmm. even when it does expose some uglier elements. Like you know, there is a bit of looting that goes on, but the looting is done by the one. One of the the the, the 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 army officers who we consi- who is painted from the off to be a bit of a bad egg, and you know, yeah, kind Robin. of let, letting the side down. Where it's like, no, that, <laughs> they were fucking all doing that. Mm. <laughs> Excuse my language, but you know what I mean. Um, mm. Anyway, I, I'm getting sidetracked. We should we should crack on with the, with the, with the story, such as it is. Right. So the colonel that had
1: spoken to the doctor. Yes. Um, Or apprehended the doctor. Explains that he found the Ice Warrior, now called Friday, because of Robinson Crusoe. Of course. Uh, He he found their ship whilst on duty in South Africa. Yeah. Okay. And having helped him to recover, they were beamed to Mars, where they have now built Gargantua. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So it's a mining laser, because Friday wanted to claim Mars for the Empire, for Britain, for Queen and Country. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Bill asks Friday what he really wants, and he says, I want to meet my people, but I overslept when my shit crashed. Okay, he claims to be the last of his kind, Yeah, and he tells the Doctor he's old and he's tired. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is where we're introduced to Jackdaw,
0: the Wrongen. Yes. Did you recognise him? I don't know. Uh, it. He's got one of those faces. He he played a wrongon in Game of Thrones. Oh, did he? Which wrongon was he? He played
1: Meron Trant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. one that likes little girls until he meets the wrong little girl, and Arya Stark rips his eyes out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if if he's typecast or whether like. Because is it just down to his face that he's like, okay, you're 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 only going to be playing unseemly types?
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think he's very good in this. Mm, um, I
1: suppose he's the only character that does something. I think. Well,
0: I'd say you've got three officers, three of the British Army guys who feel significant and have some degree of character development. And the rest of them are just purely interchangeable. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to say four. So I'm thinking you've got the captain. Yeah. Um, you've got, is it catch love? Yeah. Um, you've got um, Jackdaw. And and the one who's, who's like sort of, is he a sergeant like salt of the earth type?
1: Yeah, but then you also have the young lad, don't you? Who's you do like the, bright-eyed the young... and he's like, "Oh, yeah. can't wait to get back to old Blighty."
0: Yeah, it's like it feels like the lower down you go in the ranks, the less character development there yeah. is. Yeah, and then at the back, there's just a bunch of other guys who just you know wear the uniform, and I don't think get any lines, um, and are just there to be turned into into weird sphere. spheres of people. Uh, We'll get to that. We will, we will.
1: Um, (laughs) Right, so whilst they're chatting the gargantua laser finally hits something and it's an ice warrior tomb. Yeah. Not just an ice warrior tomb but the tomb of an ice queen. Yeah. Have we seen these before? This is the first time I've seen an ice queen.
0: It's been a while since I've watched any classic stories with ice warriors in but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they've never been portrayed as anything other than male up until this point. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just more to do with the time in which they were made. It would never have occurred to them to to make a female one. Um, But yeah, I think it's cool. It's a a cool addition. Um, And yeah, it's not subtle, but it very much does play into those ideas of, the sort of looting that went on as, as a result of the the, um, the Victorian Empire. Right. So, as well as a
1: tomb, it could be an entrance to an ice warrior hive. Mm. And the Doctor reminds everyone that humans are the invaders here. We should be respectful. Yeah. Okay. So, I didn't really get this bit. One of the soldiers
0: just faints. Oh, um, Jack Dorr had... Uh... Oh, to little something. It right. is. Uh, yeah. In, in fact, I've written
1: that in my notes. One of the yeah. soldier fakes, Jock Dorn knocked him out to steal some gold. Yeah. Because the tomb, it's very regal. There's a lot of gold. There's gemstones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he enters the tomb and tries to pry some of the gems from the sarcophagus. Yeah. And as he does, the sarcophagus awakens. Ooh. So this is sensed by Friday. Yeah. And we see the Ice Queen kill Jackdaw and another of the soldiers. So this is where we can talk about their weaponry. Yes. So they shoot you
0: with a gun that turns you into a ball. (laughs) Yeah. So it's bonkers, right? Mm. (laughs) It's absolutely bonkers, but I like that because it feels different. You know, we've seen people disintegrate into piles of dust a million times on this show. And at the end of the day... Doctor Who has to find this fine line between having monsters and aliens and things that present as a potentially deadly threat, but in a way that is safe to watch with a Mm six-year-old. So you get a lot of lasers turning people into dust. You've got the classic uh, Dalek. It shows their their skeletons for a second and then they're done. Um, This... I've never seen this in anything else, and like you, the second, the, the, the second you look at it, you're like, "Oh, well, they're a gunner."
1: The only time, <laughs> time I've seen anything military.
0: like this,
1: yeah, in in an old video game, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Right. Uh, the Green Lantern has a fatality which is very similar. He puts right. a force field around you, and then he just shrinks it down. Mm. Uh, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. I've ever seen anything like this before, but yeah, so not nice because they're not wrapped up like if you were to bunch yourself into a ball. Yeah, it, it, it's not that. Like, no. they've got arms around the back of them and like legs yeah. going sideways. Not
0: nice. No, it's it's pretty grim, uh, but in in a way that because it feels faintly comical, it just kind of gets away with it, like. It wouldn't work in any other story, I don't think. Uh, and certainly, I don't think it's anything... certainly not that I can recall. I feel like if they'd done something similar on Classic Who, I would have remembered it. Um, so this feels like a new addition to uh, the Ice Warriors' arsenal. But, um, yeah, an effective, weird thing in this story. So Friday approaches
1: because it turns out he is the Queen's Sentinel. Yeah. They've slept for 5,000 years. So the Doctor now approaches. For such an
0: advanced race, you think they could have uh, like invested in some decent alarm clocks?
1: Yeah. So that's another plot contrivance that turns up all the time, isn't it? Oh, Just people like, being oh, in cryo
0: too long. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like probably that's probably top ten in terms of Doctor Who plot devices.
1: Yeah. So, the Doctor attempts to speak with the Queen... ...who we know now as Empress Iraxer. Yeah. And he tells her that the Ice Warriors are gone. Yeah. Okay, but Iraxer speaks to Bill... ...because she wants a woman's perspective on this. Okay, so Bill says, you know... ...if it were up to me... ...I'd take as peaceful an option as possible. Mm -hmm. And just as they're about to agree on peace one of the soldiers just shoots the ice queen
0: mm.
1: okay and he says sorry she says don't worry about it i'm going to grant you mercy in the form of a quick death yeah, yeah. it's like that meme call an ambulance but not for me
0: <laughs> yeah it's the the empress is i don't i don't know quite how i feel about it because it's a very one note performance yeah. But I think, in some ways, I like that. that I, I don't know who the actor is playing her, but like she's, I think she's doing exactly what the script is asking for. So it's it's like it is borderline panto villain, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's again it's right for the tone of this episode. So I don't mind it. Okay, so uh, the soldiers.
1: Agree, they're going to plan to shoot Gargantua, the big laser, at the Ice Mm -hmm. Queen. Yeah. But at the last minute, is it Bill or the Doctor knocks it? So it misses its shot. And instead of hitting the Ice Queen, it sort of hits the rocks and seals the Ice Queen in the tomb. Yeah. Okay. So, this is where we get a big exposition dump. So it turns out the Colonel was almost hung for desertion. Mm-hmm. So, Catch Love takes charge and puts the Colonel in the brick.
0: Yeah. We'd already had, like, hints that Catch Love was a little bit sneaky. And a, yeah. A, what have you. Um, but, yeah, it, we, we get a good old-fashioned mutiny here.
1: So, Iraxer, whilst all this arguing is going on, wakes up the Hive. Because it turns out that the Ice Warriors aren't dead and gone, as everyone thought. They're just kind of downstairs.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. And she says, "I've now got enough soldiers that I can go on the
0: offensive." Mm. So I do like with the hive. I feel like it, it's at least a semi-conscious Tomb of the Cyberman. So, yeah, Tomb of the Cybermen reference.
1: Oh, boo
0: boot that. You what, know, have what a lot of panels like, that was setting the walls and stuff. Really, there's a there's a lot of. Um, a, just the vibe of this really is not a million miles away from Tomb of the Simon Men, is it? Mm-hmm. When you think about it, you know, replace replace archaeologists with um, British army officers, and you, you know, you're halfway there, aren't you? Mm. Uh,
1: I, I tried to block that one out of my mind.
0: <laughs> that was a load of old pants. I'm not rising to it, Matt. Look, you, you, you might as well just move on. Right, so, rather than face the Ice Warriors or
1: have any stress in their lives, the soldiers all just sit down and have some tea. Yes. You know, just in case you needed reminding they're British,
0: they just stop for tea. Ah, oh, but you see, I, I do love that it, it It's it's very cute and, like, ha ah, look at us. But I, I do, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. I really am. Do you mean
1: the scene, or just a cup of tea? Both. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a cup of tea.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, so all the Ice Warriors break through and shoot them all with their compression guns. Yeah. And at the same time, an Ice Warrior begins to surface in the brig, because the Doctor and Bill Mm -hmm. have been put in there now with the Captain. And then in my notes, I've just written, it's all kicking off. It all goes a bit mad here, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Okay, so... Friday is the Ice Warrior that surfaces in the brig and he wishes to work with the Doctor. Bill distracts Iraxa. Again, they have a woman-to-woman chat whilst the Doctor goes and gets the gargantua laser. And he threatens to cave in the North Pole, which would freeze them all to death and seal the Ice Warriors below the surface forever. So he's got the... He's got all the chips at this point, hasn't
0: he? Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Catchlove now proves he's a real bad guy... By putting a knife to Irax's throat... Even though it's like... They're discussing peace terms. And he says, I need you... Because you can fly the spaceship that's going to get me home.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. And this bit, I just didn't know what was going on here. They just walked to the door to get on the spaceship... But well, the captain's already aboard. <laughs> right, I don't know how he's worked out this future tech, but he's already on the ship
0: yep. and just shoots catch love. Yeah. So it, 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 we're getting kind of to the, to the heart of what this story is about, I guess, which is this notion of honour. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean to be honourable? Um, which can... Which can be a problematic concept, I think. At times, you know, you know, is there such a thing as as uh, you know, the, do, do, is is the is the the is the captain honourable here? Because yes, he's he's he prevents a bigger thing, but he does take a man's life in the process. You know what I mean? It's like y- y- yeah. you have to just kind of not look too hard, really. Cause yeah, it's again, it's playing with certain tropes and ideas and, and things like this. But but um, yeah, because he, he, he then doesn't because we then get onto this idea of him him kind of offering himself up as a sacrifice, don't we?
1: Yeah. So he says, you know, I'll offer you my life mm. if you save my men. If you're looking for someone to punish, you may as well punish me. You know, I was previously hung for desertion, but it didn't work. You know, my life is null and void. Okay, yeah. so she yeah. says, yeah, you will die, but not today. Yeah, you'll die in battle serving me, and we finally get this peace."
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's great. It, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I am pro peace, but I guess I'm just a teensy bit uncomfortable with the notion that. That, that that he needed any form of redemption like yeah. desertion shouldn't it, it was it it was awful then the idea that that anyone would be executed for deserting in inverted commas um and by not cl- by by playing into the tropes of of the 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 source material, the inspiration for these kinds of stories, um, Mark Gatiss is kind of just going along with this idea that 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 this character needs some form of redemption to make up for their for their cowardice somehow. Yeah.
1: Plus, um, you know, it's not like he was un. What's the word I'm looking for? He he was shown remorse for his actions. They, you know, yeah. he was absolutely racked with guilt. It's not yeah. like he was there going, yeah, got away with that one, didn't I, boys? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I, think, I think his redemption had kind of already been served.
0: Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, I guess, happy ending for everyone. And, uh, yeah, all's well that ends well. Except yeah. for all of the people who'd lost their lives in the process.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> They agree on peace, and the yeah. doctor says, "Look, I'm going to send a transmission out that's going to rescue you, Ice Warriors, from Mars." Mm. Okay, so they receive a signal from Alpha Centauri. Yes, uh, I'm guessing that. I'm guessing from that little chuckle, that's like classic Who joke that I'm not in on.
0: Well, not really a joke, but um, so basically, um, one of our listeners was it uh, BT Flippity Gigget, um mentioned that. Ice Warriors had previously featured in a couple of stories called The Curse of Peladon and The Monster of Peladon. Mm-hmm. And those are stories centred around the idea of a, of... a Is it called the Galactic Federation? Various, like, advanced star-faring nations um, that have sort of come together in, in an alliance. And they are basically welcoming Peladon into this alliance. Um, and the Ice Warriors are amongst them. And another one of the... So you've basically got all these alien delegates kind of milling about on, on this planet. Uh, one of them is Alpha Centauri. Uh, the actress who's... Ne- I forget her name. Uh, she pl- it, it, She's reprising the role here. She played the same character who is like this big uh, monoptical uh, alien creature. Re- you know, one of the one of the most iconic real B-movie type costume designs of the Pertwee era, um, big green one-eyed alien. Uh, I think uh, I've maybe seen that. Yeah. And and, and, and yeah, so she plays, and she has this very shrill, silly voice, talks like this the entire time, and it gets very grating when you've got to listen to four episodes worth of it. Um, but uh, they just brought her back for this and because it, it does it fits in perfectly with that continuity this is the moment that the ice warriors stop being an insular warlike race just looking out to conquer and actually become part of something bigger uh-huh. and, and like you know becoming a you know a, a part of this galactic economic block rather than an ind than just you know a warfaring nation um and it's really cool. It, 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 you know, it's not often that 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 new Who so directly, blatantly ties in to classic Who in that way. Uh-huh. So it is a massive treat for fans of classic Who. I cannot imagine how alienating it is for yeah. people who. I, aren't I was just watching it. this, just going, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, like, what yeah. what is that?
1: But then straight away, you know. This ain't my first rodeo. I was just like, all right,
0: it's, it's for the it's for the fans, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you you were able to clock that, I guess. But I I kind of I flip flop on it because on the one hand I'm like, oh, this is lovely. This is what a treat. But then part of me is like, yeah, but you who shouldn't be doing this. This is so it, it you know it makes it makes this less accessible. I feel like to to modern viewers and so it's it's self-indulgent it's hugely self-indulgent but also I think I think Mark Gatiss knew this was going to be a swan song for Doctor Who because he was aware that this was Moffat's last series mm-hmm. he was probably about ready to move on anyway so let him have it is what I'd say yeah. I feel like if anyone's earned it he has um So, yeah, there you go. That's that, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so Alpha Centauri says we will send aid, but we need a physical marker so we can target it and know where you are. Mm
0: -hmm. So that's
1: when they go outside and write God Save the Queen in big rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and just as everything's getting sorted, the Doctor and Bill hear the TARDIS reappear. It's Convenient. Yeah. Okay, so in order to get back to them and fix the TARDIS and pilot it, what have you... Nardole had to free Missy. Yes. Okay. So the Doctor says, no, 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 this isn't what we agreed to. We have to put it back. And then Missy just kind of looks at him and says, are you, are you all right? And then mm-hmm. that's the end of the episode.
0: Yeah. So there you go. She's out of the vault. Yeah. I think she'll be back
1: in next week. <laughs>
0: I I can't see that
1: plot thread going anywhere.
0: Uh, I would love it if the Moffat's final season is like, okay, Missy's back in the vault, and that's that. She's not in in it for the rest of the series. Just
1: Missy talking, and then you just see a door slam in front of her face, and the Doctor (laughs) sort of claps
0: his hands and just goes,
1: right, that's that. You have to fight the Daleks or something.
0: (laughs) Um, But there you go. So next week we will be discussing an episode entitled The Eaters of Light. Ooh. Mm. Intriguing little title, isn't it? So, yeah. I wonder do... if it's one of
1: the many shadow monsters we've seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have we seen that many shadow monsters? I mean, there's been there Vastor some... Rada. Yeah, there was some in the library. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. We definitely have. Yeah, there is definitely another one. I just can't think what it is now. Because there was one where we were like, why isn't it just the the Narada again? Yeah. It, it sort of was, but sort of wasn't. Is oh. it that one
1: where the little boy gets scared of his dollhouse?
0: No. No, it wasn't that one. No, it was a different one. Ah, oh, I. I, I <laughs> Tell us, sisters. We can't remember. But there was another one re- more recently, wasn't there? I don't think it was this series, though. It was maybe last yeah, series but- or. If you can remember
1: it, send it to David, because I, yeah. I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's about par for the course. All
0: right, then. Well, do join us for that. Uh, but until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now.